Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. What's up, Show Your Scars? I hope you guys are doing well and this podcast brings you the start of a new week or wherever you are in your week, you honestly can make that the start of something new. I think you are in charge of your now. You have more control over your thoughts than you think. So choose right now, wherever you are in this moment, to refocus. Remember that you can start anew. You can reset your mindset and go with a positive one. We've talked about this before on Show Your Scars. A positive mindset is difficult. Our brain is dispositioned to think negatively first. So it is hard. It's hard to think positive. So if it's hard for you right now in this moment, wherever you are in your recovery, to think positive, know that you're not alone, that it is really hard. But once you start to train yourself to do so, it becomes mind memory, just like it's muscle memory. So keep reminding yourself to think positively and to celebrate the small wins and whatever that is, whatever part you are in your journey, whether that's getting your leg around one time in the bike, breaking through some scar tissue, walking, maybe jogging, whatever it is, those small wins, those celebrations instill hope in the process. I just read that celebrating the small wins actually allows your brain to remember that where you're trying to go is possible right so it regains that hope in the whole process so make sure you do that all right that was a long rant that I wasn't planning on having but sometimes things just come to me and I feel like I have to share them today's podcast review comes from FOC on iTunes it says encouraging and uplifting I am thankfully not a member of the ACL club, but had meniscus and ankle reconstruction from soccer injuries. This podcast addresses not only the physical, but the mental side effects of surgery. I love the encouragement gained from this podcast in recovery and embracing my scars. Thank you guys for sharing. Make sure if you want your iTunes review to be shared and to receive a free Show Your Scars refocus band, you write a review on iTunes, screenshot it, and tag us in your stories on Instagram at Show Your Scars Podcast, and you will be entered to win and be featured on our next podcast. Today's podcast is has a really cool guest. I'm excited to have Bruce Davis II on. Now, Bruce is a storyteller, you guys. This dude, we had a great conversation. It felt like I've known him forever, and I just got connected with him from an old college teammate of mine, Maxine Goins, connected him and I on Instagram. They don't even know each other, but their dads went to UCLA, played football there, and they know of each other. And she said, you need to talk to this guy. So the power of social media, again, helped me get connected with Bruce. And he has such an incredible story. So incredible that it's long. And I'm actually going to break it up into two pieces. So this first bit, we are going to talk about Bruce's upbringing and what life was like in his household, how he got through being a member of the Davis clan and what life was like and then his reasons to go to the his alma mater which is UCLA and how he decided to do that after being 
a boy growing up in Texas playing football, you know? There's a lot of pressure to stay in Texas. So it's a pretty cool story. We'll go into those first few uh, memories of childhood and of UCLA, and then we will bring you the second part of the podcast where he talks about getting through his injuries in regards to professional football, what he got to experience as a professional and what he's doing now. So make sure you tune tune in next week to hear the rest of Bruce's story. But here is the first half. I think you guys are going to like this. Here's Bruce. Bruce, what's up? I am so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So I, you've got to love this, like, social media world, right? Because a friend of mine, my Maxine, just tagged us in one of your posts and was like, you need to talk to him. I have zero clue if you even know Maxine. Um, the only connection I can think of is one, LA, and two, you played football at UCLA and her father did as well. So like, she's probably got a heart right. for all those UCLA, UCLA football players. <laughs> right. Right. So actually, I, I never met her uh, except for, uh, you know, through social media. But I did know um, of her dad because of UCLA football. Um, my my dad and my uncle played at UCLA. And my mom ran track at UCLA. So, um, you know, our family kind of keeps up with people who come in and out of UCLA and different sports and and all the all the different kind of areas. So I, I definitely knew. Uh, of her dad. That is amazing. And um, yes, we love Chester very much and we miss him dearly. So a little shout out to Maxine for this connection. Um, but you you kind of just dipped into it a little bit. Like you come from a very athletic family. And before we kind of get into um, your career as a football player and even now beyond that, I, I, wanna, I want people to know who you were. What was your childhood like? And uh, did you play multiple sports? Yeah, so I, I played a bunch of different sports, actually. So my, my dad was in the NFL. He played for the Raiders uh, in the 70s and the 80s. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Raider, Raider Nation, of course. Uh, and so, you know, I grew, up a, I grew up a huge Raiders fan. I was born in L.A., uh, but then when I was about two or three years old, he got traded to um, the Houston Oilers before, you know, they went okay. to Tennessee and all that. So I was, I was raised uh, in Texas, and so – so my dad played in the NFL. He went to UCLA. Uh, my mom ran track at UCLA. My uncle played football at UCLA. Uh, and then, like, my, my godparents, my best friend's dad, uh, who uh, – him, his dad and my dad were roommates at UCLA, and him and I were roommates at UCLA. So uh, it was just, like, a huge connection. But – so I grew up in Texas. And, you know, anybody who knows, mm. like, Texas sports knows it's this – very large, very, uh, very crazy, crazy thing. So, and, and football is, is almost like a religion down there. So, you know, my dad actually didn't want me to play, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I initially started off by running track, uh, and playing basketball. I tried out tennis, wasn't really for me, uh, not, not enough, uh, of the action that I was kind yeah. of looking for. So, um, you know, really the way I got into football was, I started playing in seventh grade. And so I wasn't even going to try out for the team because my dad was like, I don't want you to play football first. Mm-hmm. You know, he's worried about injuries because, you know, he's he's had quite a few knee surgeries I'm and sure. other surgeries as well. Yeah. So, you, so he was like, you know, you can you can get on that later. And, and you know, I want you to, you know, run track, of course. You know, and, and my mom had an influence on me running track initially mm-hmm. too because, you know, she was an awesome athlete. Uh, and 
my dad was like, that's good for every sport that you'll ever want to play, you know, get your speed up and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, ran track and, and played basketball. Um, I didn't have a great shot as far as basketball was concerned, but you know, I, I could rebound and, and play defense and block shots. So I kind of, you know, found my way there. And You're I, speaking I to my thought, basketball you know, career too. That was me in basketball. We're like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wasn't known as an offensive threat. Okay, now, defense, I was ready to lock right. anybody up. Exactly. But, most know, steals, beyond that, oh, you got and, us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, most steals, most blocks, most rebounds. But oh, when it. we start talking about things like free throws or hitting jump shots, not nah, that wasn't me <laughs> at, at all. So, uh, Amazing. So, you know, I, I kind of learned, like, uh, maybe this basketball thing isn't for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I continued to play until I was in, like, 10th grade, I think. Uh, but so I got started playing football you know, like four or five of my best friends at the time. Um, it was after school, football tryouts were being held. And they were like, yo, where are you going? I was like, I'm, I'm going home. What y'all talking about? I'm, I'm going to the house. I'm going to play, you know, video games or whatever. And they were like, yo, we're going to, you know, we're going to try out for the football team. You should come. And I was like, no, nah, you know, my dad want, doesn't want me to play. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I may not be very good. And they were like, dude, they were like, you come from a family of athletes. Your dad has two Super Bowl rings. He was in the NFL for 11 years. Like, mm-hmm. yo, just just try out. I'm sure you'll make it. So, you know, right then and there, that peer pressure kind of got me. And I was like, you know what? All my boys are doing it. And these are, you know, these yeah. are my best friends. You know, we all slept over at each other's house and the whole nine. So it was like, all right, my boys are doing it. So I'm going to do it. So I yeah. go. And of course, of course I make the football team. I'm like the biggest kid at the school. <laughs> uh, and so of course I make the football team, but I started out playing offensive line because I was just so much bigger than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I, I, you know, I made the team playing offensive guard and offensive tackle, uh, and I go home and I was so excited that I made the team and that, you know, the coaches thought I was good and I was doing this with my friends and I didn't even, I, on the way home, I didn't even take my, I took my shoulder pads and my helmet off, but I had like my cleats still on. I had my dirty football pants, oh, pads and the yeah. whole nine. I had everything. I had everything on and I'll never forget this. I, I, I walked through our, my, you know, my childhood home. My dad's sitting there right there on the couch. And I'm like, yo, I made the football team, right? Uh-oh. And his face just dropped. Oh. He was like, oh, he's, he, you know, he's, yeah. he's going to go do it. But then it was like 10 seconds later, he was like so excited. Yeah. And, um, you know, we went out in the backyard and, and he was teaching me about three-point stance and just, you know, giving me knowledge of, of football from a different perspective. Because we always watched it together and I always yeah. loved football. But, you know, it's different when you have to get in there and you have to use your, your abilities and. Yeah. you know play against other people so it went from him being like totally devastated to being like okay well this is your decision you know he was just like as long as you commit that's all i care about mm-hmm. and then from there we just started you know working on the little stuff yeah. and, and you know so i was a, a big old seventh seventh grade kid and you know and that and playing offensive line and yeah. that, that's how i got started that's so cool and it really interesting when you think about it because it wasn't, you know, a lot of people that come through, through a family of athletes, you know, there's pressure to be an athlete and you, you were an athlete, like that was natural to you, but there wasn't like a pressure to follow in your dad's footsteps. It doesn't seem like, at least from his standpoint, and it was your friends that convinced you to go play. Right. My dad was always like, and my mom as well. They they wanted us, you know, first and foremost was like we had to get good grades. And yeah. I never had an issue with that. Like, you know, I always, I, you know, that's just kind of how it was for us. It was like, you know, you're going to go to college. You're going to get good grades. You're going to, you know, be in extracurricular activities. Actually, before I was even in, on the football team, I was in, I was in the band. I was playing the trumpet in the band. Nice. Like, huge kid in the, 
and the I band's playing the trumpet. You know I played I mean? the clarinet. So we look never, at us. Yeah. <laughs> we could <laughs> no, start our own band a lot of here. Parallels working here. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't very good at that though. Either. It's kind of like basketball for me. So, um, but yeah, so they were they never really pushed us one way or the other. It was just like they set out some mm. framework of, you know, hard work, consistency, discipline you know, dedication, commitment to what we were doing. And that was kind of the basis of us growing up and, you know, treating people how you wanted to be treated, the golden rule, all that kind of stuff is, was our, was our basis. So, yeah. you know, that kind of just, you know, naturally would carry over in the sport, even mm. though I wasn't playing yet. I kind of, you know, that's kind of what we shaped ourselves around. So, yeah. um, you know, we just kind of used that. And then, you know, when I did finally get into football, it, it was this thing that, you know, the structure that was provided, I was already used to and, you know, all that kind of stuff growing up with my parents the way that they were. Yeah, such a good foundation you were just talking about. You know, I'm always interested in people, um, you know, who they looked up to when they were younger, who had the biggest influence on their lives. And, you know, those things that you just answered them, right? Like, it sounds like your parents, just both of them had such a significant impact on who you were, not only then, but who you are now as well. Right, and they both came from very humble beginnings. My mom is from uh, from East Texas. She's a little, she was a military brat. Um, you know, my my grandfather and and, uh, and his and his brothers were in the Navy. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, part of my childhood was thinking I was going to grow up and be a Navy pilot, like super yeah. into flight and airplanes and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, my grandfather and my father used to take me to air shows and stuff like that all the time. And I was convinced I was going to the Navy. I was going to be a carrier based F-14 pilot. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's just kind of like, that's what it was for me. And yeah. then I, I realized like, uh, you know, yo, I, I, I kind of had a growth spurt and I was like, I'm going to be too big to fly in a plane. <laughs> so, Am I going to fit in uh, there? You know, and, yeah, yeah, right. So. Uh, you know, I just kind of transitioned into football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, because my friends kind of right. like, yo, just come do it. Let's let's kind of do it, and and here I am now. Right, exactly. And um, it sounds like it was a pretty smooth transition, and you had one of the best coaches you could ask for with your dad giving you those those tips in the the backyard. And when you talk about then that transition from high school football to college you weren't going to go to the Navy, right? Did, did that change pretty quickly? And right. were your eyes then automatically set on going back to your, going to your dad's alma mater? Well, so, you know, I hit that growth spurt and then I got good at football and, and okay. it wasn't like me thinking I was good. I started hearing from other people like, yo, you, you've got talent. Like you have a real future in this. And, you know, initially I was just doing it because I, I was really enjoying it. But then you know, when you play football and you make that first contact, it's like, oh, I, I, I really like this because I was big, I was physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, a lot of my, like, I remember in like daycare and early on, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. You know, other kids' parents were a little scared for them to play with me because I was so much bigger, and you know, I played a little rough. You know, I mean, my, yeah. you know, I come from a big family. Yeah, so, you got to hold your you own. Know, um, yeah, you, you have to. So, uh, but I, I realized you know, I think it was like my junior year of high school uh, that I was going to be good. And that, you know, college coaches started coming around and it was just this, you know, recruiting was one of the, the, the craziest times in my life. It was a huge whirlwind. And it was like, it went from me being this, this kid just running around playing football to people realizing that I was going to be good at it. And, you know, before I knew it, I had 
you know, Matt Brown. I got offered a scholarship by Texas as a junior. Wow. Uh, Arkansas, all the SEC schools, except for the Florida schools. Um, <laughs> and, you know, really everywhere, you know, all the, all the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-10 at the time, um, the ACC, like, mm-hmm. I started getting offers from all over the place. And it really hit me when these coaches started showing up at my school. And so, mm. you know, what they would do at – you know, they try to catch you at lunch or, you know, after after football practice or whatever. But sometimes they would, you know, an announcement would come come on in the classroom and it'd be like, you know, the, the person in the front office would be like, uh, we need to pull Bruce out of class really quick because Mac Brown is here. And, you know, and I, in Houston, Texas, where I grew up at. Oh, my gosh. It was like when Texas offers you or Mac Brown comes around, it's like, whoa. So I just remember, you know, people in class being like, oh, my God, like Mac right. Brown's here and like. You know, and then, like, Les Miles would come, you know, show up, Tyrone Willingham, those kind of guys. Like, and it was just this super crazy thing. So I realized kind of early on, like, yo, this is this is something that I could, you know, really use and, and, and mm-hmm. I could make this right. uh, my life. And, and, you know, having my dad there who was a professional athlete, um, he really kind of helped to guide me through that. I know it drove my mom nuts, these coaches you know, in the, in those periods where they could call, I mean, literally my phone was blowing up. So yeah. my mom, my mom did, and it was pretty hilarious. You know, 20 coaches a day are calling your house. So what she did, she set parameters. Like I was only allowed to talk to coaches for X amount of time because I had homework to do, you know, I had family stuff to do. I had practices to go to. So um, I realized college football was this huge, huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once that recruiting process uh, really started it and a thing that dawned on me and I had a great uh, bunch of coaches uh, in high school and, and they really did a great job preparing we had I think we had five or six guys go D1 my senior year oh, wow. so we had a good football That's, team yeah a lot of good football players and you know so we we had a little group that kind of knew like yo we're going to take this to the next level so um, you know we were able to use each other to talk about you know what we thought it was and how we thought it was going to go and you know what to expect we exchanged little you know little notes and stuff on our recruiting trips and all that so yeah uh yeah like you know after my junior year it just kind of became clear to me like if I buckle down you know keep my school work tight and, and you know just keep working hard that I was going to have this opportunity to go play major college football that's amazing and and with all of those offers especially you know I'm not I am not putting UCLA down but some of those schools right like you just said you're you're in Texas to have Texas come and offer something to you you know there's got to be pressures around that but how did you end up choosing UCLA so I was actually committed to Texas my junior year okay it was like yo like I I was sure I was going I went to I went on a bunch of unofficial visits I Uh was going to their spring game I was going to their scrimmages and you know, Austin's not that far from, from Houston. And at the time, to me, like a three-and-a-half-hour drive was no big deal to go watch Texas football. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, all roads pointed to Texas for me. And then, you know, as I got better, I started kind of realizing there was more options. So I was like, you know, I stayed committed to Texas, but I was exploring, you know, other options. So I ended up taking a trip to Arkansas, which was an amazing thing I, I you know I, I don't know if a lot of people know like how big of a deal the SEC is and, and Houston Nutt was the coach at the time who I really really liked mm-hmm. he was just such a great personality great dude I really loved him so I had a blast um you know going to Arkansas and then I went back home I think I did another unofficial to Texas and then I flew out to Colorado hey so I go to Colorado and at the time 
Right. They had like Jeremy Bloom and, yeah. and you know, a bunch of great athletes. Yeah. Uh, Vance Washington, who actually went to one of my rival high schools, who ended up being a mentor through the, the recruiting process and that kind of stuff. Like, it was just, you know, and I, I was like, whoa, I'm here. Like, a guy named Tyler Brayton was like the biggest human being I'd ever seen at Colorado. And I was like, whoa, like, this is college football for real. Like, right. So you're not um, the you're not the big guy I, anymore. No, I was like one of the little guys. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, which was which was a good reality check, right? Yeah. Like, but so when I was on that trip, I, Lawrence Vickers, who played a long time in the NFL, another Houston guy, uh, he was my host. I had an absolute blast with him. He is one of the funniest human beings, one of the biggest personalities in this world. Um, so I had a great time with him. But it was snowing. It was literally like I got there and there was two feet of snow on the ground. So imagine coming from Houston, Texas, yeah. where at the time it was probably eighty degrees. You know, humid, hot, the whole nine. And then I go to I go to Colorado, which I really loved. Colorado was such a beautiful school. At the time, they were doing very well. You know, they were a big-time school. Um, I, I really liked it. But, you know, the snow was kind of like, I was like, okay, you know, if I have to, I'll deal with the snow, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so I get back. Uh, no, I, I get back. I go home for like a day. And then I think Oklahoma called. And Gosh. so I was, you know, I was talking to, I was talking to Stoops and the whole nine and they were like, we're going to offer you and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, but then from there, I went out to UCLA and there was a huge group of us. Uh, I think there was like 15 guys on this trip, which makes it this, it makes it a really fun experience. There was guys from Colorado. There was guys from other parts of Texas, Louisiana, all over the country. So this was a, this was a big group of guys. So mm-hmm. first of all, I, so I go from Colorado to UCLA right so I go I get I leave Colorado two feet of snow on the ground I go back home for like a day and then I shoot out to, to uh, UCLA so I get off the plane it's like 75 degrees the sun's out there's palm trees everywhere and instantly like, I felt done. like whoa this kind of feels right you know what I'm saying like yeah. so um so for lunch what they did they took us to Gladstones which is out there in Malibu like mm-hmm. right off right off the PCH and we're sitting there, and I'm looking at the ocean. There's, like, dolphins in the water. Uh, you know, the other recruits are there. And I'm like, yo, this is insane. Like, uh-huh. there's, the beach in Texas is, like, the Gulf of Mexico. And, and the Mississippi River flows into that. So it's brown water. It's, it's mucky. Much of a beach, you know what I'm saying? So no dolphins. This is, like, my first, like, yeah, I'm like, yo, I'm at, I'm at a real, like, crystal clear beach. I'm in California. Uh, and so... I was just enamored from the get-go because I'd been to California before. I was born in California and mm-hmm. I'd been back for vacation. My grandparents lived in San Diego, but you know, as a small child, you're just you know, you're just wanting to spend time with your grandparents and have fun and play yeah. around, you know, shoot water guns and just stuff different. like that. So it wasn't really like I was, I, yeah, it, I didn't really care that much. I just wanted to be with my family. So, mm-hmm. so we go from Gladstones and we go to UCLA. Uh, we get to the campus and it's this big sprawling campus right right here in in Bel Air and I'm like whoa like this is this is gorgeous like well the first time seeing that campus for me was like seeing like Metropolis or some made up mm-hmm. city like that you know yeah, I mean? yeah. it's just I had never I'd never experienced something so beautiful so you know we do our campus tour which I love uh, and I was like the whole time I'm like yo I should see myself doing this and so then they kind of let us loose and my, actually my godbrother Eric McNeil who um who played for UCLA as well. His his mom and, and dad are my godparents. Mm-hmm. Uh, his dad ran track at UCLA. He was so, uh, Eric Jr. was my host. Oh, so, cool. You know, I had a great relationship with him, so it was just so much fun. Like, I was yeah. with my godbrother. 
I was with a bunch of guys, like, you know, from, you know, some from my area. We all knew who each other was. And so it was a, a really cool experience. But what sealed it for me uh, was, so we did this thing, like, they, they took us, I think it was the second to last day we were there, they took us to the Rose Bowl, mm. right? And so they had jerseys in the lockers, and they had our, our high school numbers and our names on the back. We couldn't wear them because it was a violation, but they had it there just to kind of simulate what the game locker room was like. And the first time seeing the Rose Bowl is, it's just this, it's it's overpowering because yeah. it's obviously this historic stadium, you know, I, I could feel it because my dad played in there, my uncle played in there, you know, um, my, my godparents, my, 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 my college roommate's dad was a big time player there. So, you know, I'd grown, I'd grown up kind of hearing those stories and, and then to see it just felt like, it, it felt like being introduced to football for the first time on this level. And right. um, so they take us out to the field, and as we're walking out, they have the jumbotron on, and and then it says, you know, now starting at defensive end, number 98, Bruce Davidson, and then it just they had the crowd noise going oh, through the speakers, and, they, you know, they had, us up on the, they had us up on the jumbotron, and I was just like, whoa, like I was like, it's done. It's over. <laughs> After that, I called my mom. I said, "Hey, I said, hey, mom, like the recruiting process is done. You can, you can just, you know, tell all the coaches I've chosen. Like, you know, it's, it's over with." And it was just the most wonderful thing to see the Rose Bowl and all of its, you know, sprawling glory. And I, I just knew that was. Yeah, that was it for me, and I knew I was coming to UCLA after that. Were you in chills that whole time? It sounds like it was just like one of those moments that, when you recall it, you can like feel it too. I can, I can still feel it. I, yeah. I can feel the sun on my face from that day. I can yeah. smell the grass in the stadium from that day. It was just Ooh. like, it was just, it was just like knowing you're in the right place. Yeah, like you know, I, I feel like in your life you have that a handful of times where you look around and you're like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I had that moment for the first time right. in my, you know, in my life, but you know, my 17 years at the time, 16 years, how old I was. And it was provided, you know, through walking through the Rose Bowl and yeah. being in that locker room and knowing that, you know, my dad had played there. My uncle had been there. Like, so it, it was just, it mm-hmm. was over. And I, I told my mom, I was like, yo, it's over. It's done. I called my dad. I was like, I'm going to UCLA. You know, and they were, they were obviously excited. They didn't really care where I went as long as I was going to get, you know, a scholarship and a good education and, you know, they were like, look, if you want to go across the country, you go wherever you want. This isn't about us. And, and you know, I ended up at UCLA and, and they kind of let me decide that for myself, which was which was great to not have pressure. Like we went here, so you got to mm-hmm. go here. I know it's like that for a lot of people, but right. that was never the situation for me. I just, it, you know, it just worked out very perfectly. You can say that because you had a good career at UCLA looking over kind of the things that you got to do. 2006 was... Uh, what a year for you. Not only were you all Pac-12, or Pac- was it Pac-10 at the time? No, it was Pac-12. It, yeah, it was Pac-10 at the time. Pac-10. Yeah, Pac-10 but, so. but you were an All-American, and um, you finished your career there, ranked second in sacks with 29. Um, did everything go smoothly over your, your four years at UCLA, or did you face any injuries when you were in that process? You know, I had – so it didn't my first couple of years it was very uh it was it was a rough transition i'm not gonna lie like mm-hmm. a lot of guys come in and it's it's very smooth and you know they play immediately but i came in and and in front of me was the ball brothers they were twins um and they were absolute monsters i think dave ball um 
one of the guys who I really patterned my style after, he was, uh, he, he's actually first in UCLA's history in sacks. Mm. Um, so I had to, you know, I sat like my, my freshman year, I go in there, we have our, you know, we have our fall scrimmage. I think I had a few sacks. I got to run with the first team and, you know, I really played, I played really well. The coaches were very impressed with how I handled myself for a 17 year old. When I got to college, I was 17 years old. I okay. finished high school at 17 and then, you know, so I was very young, kind of a scrawny kid, you know, whatever, but I played really good football you know, from the jump. And then I remember um, the day I was told I was going to be redshirting was actually my 18th birthday, right? So the coach mm-hmm. calls us in. He calls me and a couple of the other young guys in there um, that had been playing really well. He goes, you know what, you guys, uh, it was Coach Don Johnson, who was my D-line coach, and such an awesome man. But he comes in there, and he was like, you know, we've got a loaded defensive line and, and defense as a whole, uh, and so we're going to redshirt you this year. And I just remember thinking, like, man, that was a huge, like, blow. Yeah. But if I'd been used to being the, the best athlete, the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, you know, wherever I went. So in my mind, it was like I played well enough to warrant me playing, but what I wasn't accounting for in my 17-year-old mind was mm-hmm. – you know, I've got a guy in front of me that's an All-American. I've got guy. I, I think that whole starting D-line was in the NFL at some point or another. Like, wow. really talented group. Um, Dave and Matt Ball, Ryan Boschetti, and then Rodney Leslie. So, I mean, we're talking about monsters of college football. And these guys were all huge. And, you know, our linebacker core was great. I think uh, most of those guys that played on that defense ended up in the NFL. So, mm-hmm. that part of it was rough for me. So, How'd you deal with that? And, and it you know what? I really used my dad a lot for that. You know, I was not going to lie. I was heartbroken. I was like, man, I I did everything I could and it still wasn't good enough. And he was like, you have to understand the business of college football. Mm. And he kind of explained to me how it goes. And he was like, look, you are, you showed up to college at 17. You've got a lot more developing to do mentally and physically. And, you know, as I look back on it, it was the the best decision that could have been made for me. Uh, And I think coach Johnson you know, in all his wisdom, he's he's been coaching the NFL for I mean over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he knew he knew what he was doing, and it just took me a while to see that. And then, you know, I I was very I, I think I showed up to college. I was probably like two ten, you know, soaking wet. Uh, so I was I was undersized. I was kind of a tweener, outside linebacker, DN, pass rusher for kind of a guy. And okay. you know, I was kind of learning my my place in the hierarchy. Like you know, I had a lot of growing to do physically and mentally and so you know uh and then the second year my so my red shirt freshman year I get in there and um you know I played some spot duty but you know I had a few sacks I believe that year a couple couple tackles I made some plays you know when I was called upon and then the roughest year was my red shirt sophomore year so uh one of the guys we had some transfers come in to play d-line uh Justin Hickman who is a great friend of mine we we did some really great stuff together on the football field and we had another transfer from Miami, Kyle Morgan. Uh, and then we had some other guys that were already there. Uh, and, you know, so I was kind of playing spot duty. But the first game of the season, we played San Diego State, right? And um, and we had some injuries, so I started the game. And I, I played well. I think I had like 10 or 11 tackles. I had a sack, a pass breakup. So I'm thinking, yo, I've, I've solidified myself here. Yeah. Like it's, it's time for me to play. And we, you know, we get back and um, – you know, the coach was like, yeah, you played good. And then, and, you know, the next over the next couple of weeks, I, I barely played at all. And so, you know, I, I called my dad and you know, called my mom. I was like, yo, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, I'm holding up my end of the deal here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am doing my job. I'm making plays when I'm called upon. When somebody gets hurt and I step in, I make plays and, I, you know, I help out my football team. And 
and you know, so I, I, you know, I talked to him, and, and I was like, "Yo, I'm, I'm thinking I may transfer out of here. Like, huh. this isn't, uh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right to me anymore." And I'm like, you know, it'd be one thing like if I wasn't doing my job, but I was. So, you know, I think a lot of players have gone through this at some point or another yep. in their career, where it's like, "Yo, they have that reality check." Like, you know, there's a lot of other guys out here. So, you know, I, I flirted with the idea of transferring. Um, you know, I talked to the staff. Uh, I talked to the head coach, Carl Durrell, who I, who I love, still talk to to this day. And I was like, yo, I just don't see it. And, and you know, afterwards, you know, we had a really candid conversation, me and the coaching staff. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we talked about some things and, and we kind of came to a common understanding. Um, and then, you know, so we got through that year. I made some plays. It was, it was good, but I still wasn't kind of where I wanted to be. And then that next season, we hired uh, – a completely new defensive coaching staff. So we had Dwayne Walker, who is absolutely brilliant. He's still coaching in the NFL. Todd Howard, who came in, was my D-line coach, totally changed my football career. Um, Chuck Bulla with the linebackers, I, I learned a lot from just watching him. And then Gary Deloach was the one holdover from the previous staff. And, you know, you, you talk about defensive scheme, that guy knew his stuff. So <laughs> I kind of got, got a fresh start from that. And I remember yeah. the first day, the new, the new coaches get in there. I go up to the office. And I'm like, yo, I'm Bruce. They're like, oh, yeah, we know who we are. We've been, we've been kind of watching film and blah, blah, blah. And I, was, I told I told Dwayne Walker straight up like this. I said, look, coach, I've been bouncing back and forth from, you know, pass rusher to DN to uh-huh. outside linebacker. And I was like, yo, I, I was just like, yo, I want a position. And I yeah. was like, honestly, I think I can, I can help this team out at, you know, playing outside linebacker. I just, you know, give me a job and let me do it. Let huh. that just be my job, right? So he was kind of soaking it up, and, and, you know, as I look back on it, I kind of, you know, I wasn't paying attention to his reception of what I was saying. I just kind of had stuff to get off my chest, right, yeah. at 19. I'm just like, yo, this is what I think. Right. You, know, you should listen, right? So, like, a week or so later, uh, the defensive coaches all get together, and they called up, you know, about 10 or 12 guys, you know, that they wanted to speak to, right? So all the coaches, you know, imagine the, the defensive uh, coaches meeting room in the, in the football office. All the coaches are sitting there, and, you know, guys are coming in and out, and they're just kind of telling guys, you know, what they feel, where they're going to put them, how they're going to be used. So I'm like, okay, so we're all sitting there. Guys are nervous because, you know, new coaching stuff. Right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, they call me in. So a guy comes out of the office. I think it was Dennis Keyes, and he, he didn't have a very uh, happy look on his face. Uh-oh. But he goes, he just he, he looked at me, and he goes, hey, you're up next. They want you in there. And he walked out, didn't say another word, walked out of there. And I'm like, oh. Yikes. Dang, right? <laughs> so I go in there and it, it, and it's like it's like going into this round table and you're sitting on you're sitting on the end of this table, right? Or you're sitting on mm-hmm. the curve of this table, but they're all looking at you. Right, on the other side. Like you've got all these these great defensive football minds that are looking at you and it's like, okay, so it's it's kind of uncomfortable. You know, you're looking in there and then, you know, we sat there silent for a little bit. They were kind of shuffling through their papers and stuff like that. And then Dwayne Walker, the D coordinator who I who I told previously, like, yo, just give me a position. I want to play linebacker. Mm-hmm. He says to me, he goes, you know, I know we had a conversation. You coming into my office talking about you wanted to play linebacker. He goes, but I think you're talking about wanting to play linebacker because you're being selfish. Because that's what you want to do, and that's what you think will get you to the NFL the fastest. Hmm. And I was dumbfounded because that wasn't, you know, that wasn't where I was coming from. Right. Uh, but this is what they were, this is what they were saying. And, 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 you know, maybe there was some subconscious truth to that, that I wasn't seeing. But again, these guys had a collective of probably a, between these four or five guys, there's a hundred years worth of football knowledge. there. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I just, 
you know, I, I just, I was just quiet. And yeah. I was like, I'm just going to listen to what they have to say, right? And so he was like, I don't care what position you want to play. This is where we're going to put you and you're going to play and you're going to execute. And you're going to do your job and that's going to be the end of it. So I'm sitting here like, yo, like, whoa. Like, this is really the first time I've ever been, like, reprimanded like that in my mm-hmm. career. So okay. I was just kind of like, yo, this is insane, right? And and I remember them saying, yeah, it, you'll do what we tell you to do. And they were like, all right. It wasn't like, all right, meeting over there. Like, get out of here, basically. Like, get on out of here. Send the next guy in. So I walked out. I was fuming. I mean, I was yeah. furious. Yeah. So I walked out, and there was a couple other guys. I think Chris Horton was the next one up. I said, I said, hey, they want you. And I just walked out. They were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, I don't feel like talking. I just walked out. I didn't talk to anybody for like two days, I don't think. Uh, you know, but then we finally get into practicing. And, you know, I, I was just like, you know what? After talking to my mom and dad, they were like, yo, you've got to trust these guys. They know what they're talking about. And and I did. And then lo and behold, two years later, I'm two-time All-Conference, two-time All-American. Uh, I was up in like the top three in the country in sacks. I think I was one or two in the Pac-10 at the time at sacks for both of those years. Like, you know, so it ended up it yeah. ended up working out, and me trusting them and just and submitting to, you know, kind of how they saw their football team because it was their team. Yeah. Uh, seeing how that would go, just following their lead, you know, really changed uh, my career. Like I said, Todd Howard, the D line coach. I mean, he gave me a set of tools and skills that I could use that really propelled me to the next level and I really learned you know everybody thinks oh I'm you know I'm studying and guys are watching film studying their playbook and I'm not going to take away from that but Uh there's always a next level that you can get to and until you you know kind of get that push you may not know or you may not be aware that that's there and having them really pushed me to that next level mentally and physically uh and you know it ended up working out perfectly yeah what'd you learn do you think from your reaction to what they said and your response to what they said because it sounds like there was a lot of growth from that conversation that you had with them and in reflection of like okay how I can take this either one of two ways right yeah so what I did like at first you know again I was 19 Uh (laughs) right like yeah you know, I, I know when you're 19, you know, you, you think you know everything and nobody can tell you anything and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So at first I was just, I was just pissed. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So for like the first two days, you know, I was just mad and I was like, how could they talk to me like that? They don't know anything about me. And, mm-hmm. you know, just being, being a 19 year old, right. right. Like, you know, thinking, you know, better than the guys who have been doing this since before you were born. And then finally, like, you know, after talking to my parents who are a huge influence in my life, especially my dad, he was like, yo, you got two choices here. You can fold up or you can or you can step up. And I was like, all right, I'm going to step to the plate because I've never been one to back away from a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it forced me to grow up very quickly um, mm-hmm. within the framework of, of, you know, how they structured out the defense and the team as a whole, like. And so I just kind of took it as a challenge, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna exceed expectations of these. Bella, sorry, that's my my dog. I was like, someone's got something to say back uh, there. <laughs> she always, anybody walks past our door, anybody does anything, she's she's letting them know that she's the boss. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just kind of accepted it as a challenge, and and yeah. and really just worked my tail off, and was like, yo, I've, you know, I've got to prove my my value to this football team and um you know it worked out really well and that's kind of a mentality that I took with me um you know when attacking the the stuff through the rest of my life whether mm-hmm. it was the NFL whether it was 
you know, post-career, whether it was, you know, having surgeries and having to rehab, you know, yeah. had seven surgeries after I retired from the NFL, like, it's a mentality, uh, and it was a challenge that, that really shaped me as an adult. Yeah. Y- y- you know what I mean? Like, it, it kind of kicked me out of my childish mindset, which, you know, was a necessary evil at the time. It, it, and it sounds to me, as you're talking through it, as it was almost like this mixture of... I know I'm capable of doing this and I, I'm going to work hard at something and like be the best I can be with this humility as well. Right. Because you had to come to a place where you're like, okay, I don't know everything. Right. I need to learn from these people. And I feel like that kind of mixture in life of like humility and work ethic is a really nice balance. It is. It's the humility part is a must have. And, and, you know, if I'm being honest with you guys, I I was, you, you know, I, I, I wasn't always the most humble, you know, I was confident in myself and, and, you know, my abilities, my talents and all that. And, um, but you, you have know, to be my, as my well. Too. Actually, you have to be, you have to be, but there's, there should be, there's limits on it. And yeah. I didn't, I wasn't respecting those limits. And, you know, I was, you know, I have a big personality and, you know, I, 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 I you know, through my teammates trusting me, I became one of the leaders of the team. My nickname in college was actually Hollywood. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it was just, you know, that's just kind of what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I definitely yeah. had to get my ego in check, um, you, you know, because it wasn't warranted. I wasn't mm-hmm. playing enough or making enough plays for my first three years to warrant that yeah. attitude. But, you know, having that reality check from, you know, these coaches with this vast knowledge and then, you know, my teammates seeing that, you know, really kept me accountable to them. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, I've got to do this for my team, for, yeah. my, for my buddies, these guys that I hang out with, these guys that I still talk to to this day. And, you know, we did a great job of holding each other accountable. Like, you know, my teammates weren't afraid to tell me when, you know, when I needed to get it together, when, you know, we all did a great job of praising each other and, and you know, being a, a solid group of guys. So, you know, having that check and, and getting that ego in check was a really big deal. And it's, again, another one of those things where it's like, you, you know, sometimes you got to shut up and listen and, you know, and, and that's what I was forced to do. And it, and it, and it shaped me, um, in the way that I needed to be shaped Mm -hmm. and perfect timing, probably just to propel you those good last couple years at UCLA. And then 2008, you get drafted to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Were you at the draft or can you describe draft day? Is that another one of those days that you remember vividly? Yeah. So draft day. um, So I thought I, so I was, you know, leading the country in sacks, double digits, but my last two years, all American, all conference, so I, I was thinking I was going to be drafted. I was being told, you know, you, you could be drafted anywhere from, you know, late first, top of the second to the third round. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking oh, I'm going to be a first-day pick, right? And in my year, they changed the format of the draft. Instead of the first three rounds being on the first day, it was only the first two. And, you know, it's a big deal, you know, between, yeah. you know, college football players to be like, yeah, I was a first-day pick, right? Yeah. I was a first-day guy, right? And so, um, so you know, I, I did my training at Proactive Sports, uh out there in Thousand Oaks uh, with a guy named Ryan Capretta, who was a, just an absolute monster and, and definitely did a great job preparing me and all that. So draft day comes, you know, my dad flew into town. We're watching the draft and, um, you know, first round comes and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking y'all going to be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, it just wasn't, I was like, I'm for sure going in the second round. That was my thought. I'm for sure going in the second round. So first round goes by no big deal, but, not going to lie, like I was seeing guys come off the board whose performance 
whose statistics, whose play on the field was not close to mine, right? Wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Just wasn't mm-hmm. right. It, it, it just there was no comparison. Yeah. I was at the top, and these guys were, you know, were not. And I see these guys getting drafted, so I start getting disheartened early on. And the you know, second round comes and goes. I'm sitting there with my dad. He knew I was disappointed, but you know, him being the guy that he is, you know, he he kind of kept my head up, and he was like, you know, I know you're disappointed, but you know, you are knocking on the door to your future, to everything you've worked for, for, you know, for the, the past 16, 17 years, right? So he was like, just keep your head up, and, and when your time comes, your time will come. Like, yeah. you will get drafted. He was like, I promise you, third round, you're going to get drafted, and it's going to be a wonderful thing for you, hmm. right? There you have it, a cliffhanger. What is going to happen next with Bruce? Why don't you guys tune in next weekend? But if there's one thing that you've learned, he has personality, right? Bruce brings it, and I've had such a good time talking with him. And that's just the first half. So like I said, there is a second half coming at you next week on Monday. So make sure you tune in to that. Bruce has a lot more to say about what he went through. And not only that, but what he's using what he went through to help him and help others more importantly today really cool story so i hope you guys tune in next week make sure you go out there and show your scars with pride